0: Our scripture reading is Mark 11, 1 through 11, if you will find that, please, and read along. Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the street and tied. it was tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people that standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes In the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word.
1: Father, it is with joy that we gather here this morning together to lean into Your Word and to embrace afresh Your great, deep, and abiding love for us. We love You, and it is because of love that we are drawn here. May our lives reflect that love, for we are able to love because You have first loved us. Lord Jesus, You are the center of this hour. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher and guide. Father, may we know your presence here this moment. We pray this together. Amen. Amen. We are already making plans for um, our annual family camp coming up Labor Day weekend. And uh, one of the great... um, Opportunities that uh, we have at family camp; those who uh, are able to go are uh, the early morning chances to be up on the, the hillside, up on the ridge, as the the clouds of the early morning hours begin to uh, lift. You begin to see the uh, redwood trees growing there in abundance, and you smell the griddle of pancakes uh, uh, as you approach. Hot coals burning underneath the griddle, lowered down over those pancakes, and. At the end, um, there are usually an abundance of pancakes left over. What are you going to do with pancake batter? You've got to cook it up. And so the children have a great time with that. They uh, set the children about, um, I don't know, 20 feet or so away from a garbage can. And over the garbage can, they take a piece of plywood, probably twice this size. And on the plywood is a big bullseye. It would be in red they draw. It's painted on there. It's so beautiful. And here in the middle, there's a big hole cut out in that plywood. They lay that plywood over this big, wide mouth garbage can, set it at an angle, take the children 20 feet away, turn their backs to that target, give them a spatula in their hands, place a pancake on that spatula, and blindly they toss the pancake back over their head in hopes of what? sinking it in the bullseye. Now, this church is exceptionally gifted in many, many ways. And over the last five years, we've had not one, but two of our youngsters who have hit the bullseye. Now, there have been seasons when no one has hit this bullseye. Uh, I'm proud to announce my own son, Owen, hit it the very first try. It was wonderful. And Corey, Corey. Hello, Corey. Champion Corey has hit the bullseye as well. That is one of the great memory makers of our family camp because it fills us with joy, no matter if it's shooting pancakes into a garbage can or aiming at the right things in life. When we hit our target and we hit it squarely in the bullseye, it brings and provides great satisfaction. Sometimes in life... In the world in which we live, we we walk through life and, and we have to draw bullseyes around certain aspects of life. If we are to know what it is to walk successfully through life, we have to know where it is that we are to draw the bullseyes. Around what do we aim and focus our lives? The world would tell us a lot of things. The world would say that if you just draw a bullseye, around an abundance of money, then that will provide everything you need from security to provision to a sense of importance in life to a deep and abiding sense of contentment. That's what the world would say. Uh, one aspect that we are to draw a bullseye for our lives around. Of course, Jesus and the scripture would tell us there is something better than simply money. The world would tell us that as we approach and try to make sense of God in the world and how God wants to relate to my life, that in the business world we often look and examine other facets, other groups in our particular discipline of business, and and it's common to take a best practices approach in our business dealings, and and that is wise in most cases, and the world would say if you were to build a life that is spiritually sustainable and spiritually healthy, then you ought to also take a best practices approach to your religious life. And so if you find something over here that seems to make sense, that can help you deal with your stress in life, then you incorporate that somehow in your life. And if you see something over here that somehow get, makes you a better parent or a better spouse, then, then you adopt that in your life. And before long, we we end up sometimes as people that have brought so many disparate uh, things into our life that that there's no central coordinating reality. The Bible would say there's a better way and a better place and a better person around which to draw your bullseye to have your spiritual life at its breadth and depth and its fullest. There are others uh, in the world who would say, if you are to measure yourself, you must measure yourself by comparing to others. Well, hey, I can look at a a damaged marriage over there and I can feel pretty good that, that I'm being okay toward my wife. I can look at maybe some parents that I would look down my nose on and say, they they don't have it all together, but boy, I'm not doing so bad. I can look at others in my workplace that that aren't very honest in in their dealings with others. and, And I can be filled with pride saying, you know, I'm a pretty honest guy about most things in life. The world would say if we are to measure ourselves and to have a sense of success, then we ought to do that by measuring ourselves against other people around us. And when we do so, then uh, we can often lift ourselves up at the detriment of others. The Bible would tell us that there's a better way, a better standard by which to measure the quality of your life and the direction that you are going. Where do you focus? Where do you focus? Today, Jesus, in a sense, draws a bullseye in order to focus our attention. As he approaches Jerusalem, there is attention gathered upon him. In my mind, I know I'm separated culturally, I'm separated, we are separated many generations away, but the thought of somebody riding in on a donkey is is a funny one to me. But Jesus, part of what he is trying to help us see is that he is the one around which that we are to draw the bullseye for all of our lives. You see, there's a simplicity of the center. The simplicity of placing Christ at the center of life. Once he is at your heart, once he is at the core of your being, then he begins to touch all of the complexities of your life. Jesus, if we were to read the few verses preceding chapter 11 of Mark, we would see that he and his entourage had just left Jericho, and they're on their way to the outskirts of Jerusalem. And there's this pilgrim crowd traveling to participate in the Passover festivities of the week in Jerusalem. They have gathered together. And often when I come to the passage of the triumphal entry, my, my first question still is why all of this ink spilled about a donkey? What in the world does God want us to see in the donkey? Jesus enters Jerusalem knowing that a cross looms just a few days away. There have been many times through this letter that he uh, have previously said, my time has not yet Come, But not this day. Not this day. This day is different. At long last, it is his moment. The table is set. And so he dispatches a couple of his disciples to go on to the town ahead of them. And as I read this portion of the account, my, my mind is often runs to Star Wars, that original Star Wars movie made back in the late 70s. You might remember when Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi approach the city. They're looking for uh, their pilot who will take them to the other planet. Of course, that would be be Han Solo that uh, they would meet uh, a few minutes later. And as they they approach into the city, the stormtroopers gather around. They're looking for a particular set of droids. And uh, as they begin to talk, uh, Obi-Wan just kind of waves his fingers. And he says, these droids are not the ones you're looking for. And the stormtrooper says, These droids are not the ones we're looking for. Obi-Wan says, You can go about your day. The stormtrooper responds, You can go about your day. Obi-Wan says, Have a good day. The stormtrooper repeats, Have a good day. I love the idea of the Jedi mind trick. Often when I approach this portion of the passage, my mind runs there wondering what in the world is happening when Jesus sends these two disciples onto the town ahead saying, go look for this particular donkey. It's going to be tied outside. And if anybody asks you, all you simply say is the Lord has need of it. And you can almost hear the response. What is happening is that uh, very likely Jesus knew the owners of the donkey. There had been a prearranged event uh, happening and What is this telling us is that Jesus is drawing a bullseye around himself in the arrangement of a donkey upon which he would enter into Jerusalem. Jesus is drawing a bullseye around himself and asking the question, am I the center of your religious practice? Am I the center of your spiritual life? Am I the center of your entire life? You see, riding the donkey points us to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In the Old Testament, the idea and concept of salvation, the one that God would send to bring freedom and liberation for trapped, imprisoned souls. Zechariah 9 9, as was read earlier today, a portion of it anyway, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation Is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus has arranged this event, and these happenings take place because he is very clearly, now his day has come, and it is time to draw the bullseye around himself and asking each of those folks and all of us, Am I the center of your entire life? Because salvation is in the hands of the one who enters on the donkey. He's also drawing a circle saying that he is the king. In the same way that Solomon rode to his coronation on a mule. So Jesus rides into the city both as savior and as king. So as Jesus is drawing a circle and a bullseye around himself, he also comes to the place of drawing a bullseye around the temple. As uh, the passage ends in verse 11, it says that Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, if we had time today and kept reading the next couple of chapters uh, of this event, um, we would see what is happening here and how exactly Jesus is drawing a bullseye around the temple and the temple life. You see, in in Jewish life and practice, the temple was central to representing God's presence among His people. The activities were designed in order to draw hearts of worship up to God. What does Jesus see as He comes now to the temple and surveys the activities of the day and sees now and reflects on what has become of the temple? He's drawing a bullseye around this most important of Jewish symbols of their religious life. One thing that he sees is an abundance of familiar activity, but a lack of faithful response. You see, bustling activity, even in the church, doesn't always mean that God's life is bursting forth. When Jesus surveys the happenings of the temple, he sees an abundance of these familiar activities, but a great lack of faithful response to God. What else does he see? He sees a focus on religious traditions that are important and so helpful. But when the focus on religious traditions occur without a recognition of God's current and ongoing activity, then it becomes withered and dead and Painful. Later on in Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty, Jesus has cursed the fig tree. And as he he and his disciples walked back by it the next day, it says in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. We all know that plants must have their roots in order to be fed, in order to find strength in the midst of storms and weather as they come. We know that Jesus in John 14 described himself as the vine and you and I as the branches. And when the the branches are connected firmly to the vine, life is able to burst forth. But when that branch is severed, life ceases you see, when Jesus comes in and he draws this bullseye around the temple, he says what was intended to be a hive of activity of God's very life has become nothing more than withered roots. If you were to walk into my backyard, you would see a tree. And at first glance, you would see something green. It was in leaf. It is in leaf. It uh, provides some shade. It's not very tall, about seven foot tall, perhaps not very wide, but It's pretty. It sits in our backyard, and it's pretty. We were told when we bought the house that it has a particular disease, and uh, as you walk up close to the tree, you can see that uh, many of the new leaves and other things that are trying to grow on it have shriveled and are stunted in their growth. And this tree will never produce life because it's diseased. And even though from the outside, looking upon it, you see green, leafy, the uh, reality and the appearance of life, the fact that it's disease and that it's dying from the inside, lets us know that it will not produce fruit. You see, the withered roots may take time to be known on the outside, but the reality of them is that it produces death. Another thing that Jesus sees, not only does he see an abundance of familiar activity, but a lack of faithful response. Not only does he see faith uh, f- focus on religious traditions without a recognition of God's current and present activity, but he sees a haste to build a kingdom without welcoming the king. There's all of this focus and energy on building a kingdom without welcoming the presence of the king. If we're to take some time to look at the verses preceding Mark chapter 11, we would see a great contrast of two different aspirations and the ways that sometimes we draw bullseyes around what is it that we aspire to do and to be. One of them is James and John, two of his disciples. They come to him and they have a request. They say, Lord, when you come into your glory, we have a request to you? Jesus asks them, well, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they say, when you come into your glory, we would like one of us to sit on your right and the other upon your left. And Jesus goes through a conversation trying to explain to them that that is the wrong focus. That is the selfish ambition that we're warned about in Scripture. Not ambition, but selfish, self-centered, self-motivated ambition. Well, in the verses right after that, there's another account with Bartimaeus, one of my favorite passages in the Scriptures. And in contrast to James and John, when Jesus asked, what is it you want me to do for you? They offered this request. When Jesus asked the very same question to the blind man, Bartimaeus, his response was simply, Lord, help me to see. You see, James and John wanted seats of importance, a wrong aspiration. Bartimaeus, on the other hand, simply wanted eyes that could see. And Jesus was more than happy to honor that request. So often we can get caught up into the haste of building the kingdom, and we forget that there is a king every day that we welcome into our lives. Well, not only is Jesus drawing a bullseye around himself and riding in on the donkey, not only does he stand at the temple's edge and draws a bullseye around the temple and sees it lacking and wanting, but Jesus is also drawing a bullseye around the heart of individuals and the heartbeat of his people. And I think more than anything else, that is what this passage leads my heart to. But while Jesus is going around drawing bullseyes and setting our attention on these things, there are others who are placing targets on his back. And it wouldn't be long, just a few days, where he would be wrongly arrested, falsely tried, and cruelly crucified. When Jesus sends the disciples into the town, his Instruction to them, if somebody should ask, was to say, the Lord has need of it. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem, the crowd, those going in front with palm branches and others behind with branches, were singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, Jesus as Lord means that he is the center of everything. And so the question for us today is, is he... The bullseye of your life. Is he the one around whom you have centered all of your living? Are you drawing a bullseye around the right targets in life? If we draw a bullseye around Jesus as our model for living rightly, then instead of measuring ourselves by comparing to others, we we measure ourselves by the truth of the scripture and the person that we see in Christ, and we let that be our standard by which we live, not, not whether I'm more honest or uh, have greater integrity than Craig or anybody else. That's not my measurement. My measurement is in the calling of Christ to become formed in me. You see, if we're drawing the right bullseye around the right target, instead of pursuing money alone for happiness and security and a sense of importance, God invites us to center our work to center our wallets, to center our security in Him. You see, if we draw the bullseye around the right target by simply letting Jesus at the center of your life, you discover that all of the resources that you need to nourish your spiritual life, all of it is found in the person of Jesus the Christ. Jesus invites you to follow Him, Will you welcome Him today by placing your trust and your whole life into His hands? At the foot of His cross, you might have life. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Is Jesus at the center of your work, of your parenting, of your marriage? Is Jesus the Lord of your career planning? Is He the Lord and center and bullseye of your retirement? And... Your retirement planning. Maybe today you're new to the church. Maybe today you're wondering if God could really love you and if it's possible for you at this point in your life to truly reset a bullseye. You might say, I've placed the bullseye around so many things in life, they've always come up failing. Are you telling me, Bryce, that if I put the bullseye around Christ, that my life then becomes rightly oriented? Yeah exactly what the scripture would inform us today. That is the invitation. The invitation for you to say, Lord Jesus, you are welcome into my life. You are welcome into every facet of my being. It is around you and you only that I draw this bullseye because you are the center of my attention. You are the center of my affection. You are the center of my focus, both now and forevermore. That is the call of discipleship and the call that Jesus extends to you now. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your good word. We thank you that you draw these bullseyes to sharpen our thinking, to focus our eyes and our attention. I pray today that if there be any here this morning who would sense your calling of them to redraw a bullseye and to place you squarely at the center, May they respond now as as you would lead them, Holy Spirit. May they come and uh, may we have an opportunity to meet them, to talk with them, to pray with them. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.